Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Uh, very pleased to bring in Bob Nightingale, USA Today. Bob, welcome. Great to have you with us as always. My pleasure. Thanks, Steve. So, Bob, all right, here it is. Uh, you get to tell us uh, exactly how you voted. So how many yet you could vote for 10? How many did you vote for? Uh, vote for seven. All right. And, uh, yeah, I added a, uh, a few new guys. I added Andrew Jones this year. Uh, you know, Jones just hit a wall toward the end of his career. Yeah. He didn't have the top 10, 10 gold gloves. So, if, you know, if Scott Rollins get in with his defense, certainly we should put, you know, Andrew Jones in. So I think uh, Rollins kind of opened up the door for Andrew Jones. Uh, voted for Hilton for the first time. Uh, you know, I probably held against him. You know, hitting only 350 home runs at Coors Field. You know, it's like you know playing so many games at Coors. You know, that's all the home runs you could hit. And uh, my thing was always, you know, I didn't, I didn't think you could compare to a guy like Fred McGriff. So I wasn't ever going to vote right. for him before McGriff got in. McGriff yeah, that's a, you know what, that, Bob. That's a great point. I mean, I know about the humidor and the whole thing. I got it, but that's a great point. McGriff kind of like spun his wheels for such a long time. And you can't hit that many home runs and not be really good, which he was. I agree with you completely. Yeah, I mean, McGriff is 30 and 100 every single year, you know, and not, yeah. you know, not, not playing in a, in a uh, home run haven like Coors Field. I mean, I think McGriff would hit about 600 home runs if he played his whole career at Coors. Uh, yeah, the rest is a, uh, you know, Carlos, you know, Carlos Beltran. Uh, you know, I thought he was, uh, you know, when the, it should go down to one of the greatest switch hitters ever. Uh, unbelievable yeah. in the postseason. Yeah, he was part of the uh, Astros uh, scandal with the signs. But he was just a player. It wasn't like he was orchestrating that thing. And, uh, you know, players look at different ways to take advantage. You know, and he was one of them. Uh, obviously, Adrian Beltre, you know, usually the best you know player on the ballot. You know, a no-brainer. A no right. Uh, let me see who... Uh, uh, you know, Gary Sheffield, I thought Sheffield was the most feared hitter I've ever been around outside Barry Bonds. So yeah. I voted for him once again. He's going he's gonna to fall short. Uh, I voted for uh, Billy Wagner. You know, I mean, he was striking out, what, 12 guys uh, per nine innings. So he was striking out guys when guys were embarrassed to strike out. Uh, right. Just, yeah. A, a, domi a dominant guy. And by the, the toughest one I voted for, I, I voted for in the past, stopped, came back again with Omar Biscale. Certainly he's the best defensive shortstop I've seen since uh, you know, Ozzie Smith. Of course, with the uh, you know sexual allegations and the uh, uh, domestic violence, you know, I spent, spent half a day with him uh, a couple months ago. And they, uh, you know, he says, "Hey, uh, you didn't do anything wrong. He's not apologizing. The thing got settled. Uh, nothing was ever charged of domestic violence." So I, I went ahead and voted for him just on the uh, obviously, you know, as a player, and said, "Okay, at least he's, he, you know, clouds what actually happened after he's done playing." Bob, was there anybody that could fill the eight hole that you debated over and over again and just didn't quite, you know, have the meet the muster? You know, maybe maybe Joe Mauer. Uh, yeah, 
You know, the thing with Maurer is, uh, you know, going back to, to the power thing, well, he hit like 130 home runs. But my thing was he spent almost as many games playing first base in DH as he did as he did the catcher. Sure. And unbelievable as a catcher for those first, you know, you know, six, seven, eight years or so. But then just, you know, when he, when he was an everyday first baseman, he was averaging six, seven home runs a year, about 50 ribbies. Uh, you know, you can't do that at first base. So my thing was, and I really want to have him as the uh, third catcher of all time to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, you know, joining, uh, you know, a uh, Yogi, uh, I don't even know you, like Barry, I think it was uh, Carlton Fisk and, uh, and also Pedro Rodriguez. And I thought, no, uh, I was going to vote for him at some point. I just didn't want to vote for him right now. Yeah. Okay, uh, Adrian Beltre. He's an hey, look. He's going to get over. I think ninety percent. Last time I saw him play in person, I went to a Red Sox game. He's playing the one year he played in Boston. All right, makes two great plays in the field, hits a grand slam. Red Sox win four three. I'm like, going, this guy is something else. You saw him all the time. When you see him on an everyday basis like that, what did you appreciate about him at that time? I think just the hard work and the work ethic. That's kind of the Dodgers when he came up. That's all anybody talked about, just how what a hard worker this guy was. Did everything the right way. You know, took over 100 ground balls a day. You know, that sort of thing. You know, he was a, uh, you know, on his way to the Hall of Fame when he was with the Dodgers. Signs a big contract as a free agent with the Mariners. It wasn't close to being the same. You know, then you're saying, okay, uh, you know, he'll never have the career we all thought. He goes to Boston. Turns it around and then, of course, uh, cements his uh, career's legacy with the Texas Rangers. So, still not sure exactly what happened all those years in Seattle, but he was just a shell of himself there. Yeah, you, that, that's stunning. Uh, everybody's going to have holes in their game. Uh, just when you have a long career, it's just going to happen. So, Billy Wagner's an interesting one to me, uh, especially because of the postseason part. How did you now? You talked about the twelve strikeouts per nine. How did you view the postseason part of your vote? Well, it was such a short, uh, you know, so few times he, he pitched. You know, I mean, right. Trevor Hoffman didn't have a great Trevor Hoffman didn't have a great postseason either. Trevor right. Hoffman struggled a lot. You know, when they uh, in big time. You know, whether it was a All Star game, whether it was uh, you know that. You know, Mariano was just a difference maker. So it factored in, uh, you know, I wish he had pitched more innings, too. So the first two years, I did not vote for Billy Wagner. Then I started talking to people, you know, that played against him, played with him, and scouts. And then, you know, that was always brought up was, hey, you know, back then when he pitched, you know, nobody wanted to strike out. You know, now nobody cares. But this guy yeah. dominated, I think, his uh, 183, bat- 183 uh, on base and uh, batting average, you know, OPS against him as the lowest since 1900 but just was dominant when he did so I was probably you know being you know uh, with Mariano and Hoffman I think you know I kind of clouded the judgment like okay I'll, I'll do Wagner I'm not sure I'll do another you know reliever any anytime soon but I thought Wagner went over the hump so I voted for him now probably the last three four years with Miguel Cabrera not playing anymore there's nobody at 500, there's nobody at 3,000 hits. Well, the guy that's over 500 is on the battle is Gary Sheffield. Uh, so, 
what was your thought process in Gary Sheffield uh, in, in terms of making sure that you got a vote that he got a vote from you? Yeah, no, I voted for him all ten years. I yep. covered the guy, knew him well. Uh, I said outside of, outside of Bonds, he was feared. Middle of every lineup, oh, oh people say, oh, you know, his defense wasn't good. Well, he was never DHing. He was good enough to play in the field the entire time. But just a, uh, he was a difference maker, uh, a gamer, and everything else. You know, look at his career too. I mean, he was very consistent. You know, I, th- I think he's getting docked over the. Uh, that winter when he spent working out with Barry Bonds, and he said at the time he used the, uh, you know, what they gave him was called, you know, the cream to uh, yeah. kind of, uh, he thought it was like a salve at the time because he had some stitches ripped out and put him on his knees. He says he only did it once. I know at some point he said he did it more than once on his knees. But you look at that year, it was one of his worst years ever. So it wasn't like, you know, whatever he used all of a sudden made right. him a, uh, a star. So I think he deserves to get in, and I think he will get in. I think we, I mean, not today, but I think he'll get in by the uh, you know contemporary era committee at one point. Well, you know, but he, I think he should be on in the vote because you know what, you know, you, you, if you're sitting there in, in a game, say you're rooting for a team, and this guy comes up against your team, you worry about him. That tells me everything about the guy. If you're worried about him when he's just walking to the play from the on deck circle, and I felt like that with Sheffield every. I know there's a wide variety of teams that he played for, but my goodness, every time he came up, you kind of felt the ball had a chance to get out of there. I just felt like everybody in the ballpark feared him. Yeah, I mean, the fact he never struck out. I mean, I don't think he struck yeah. out more than 70 times, you know, 75 times a year. Uh, but you're exactly right. And uh, it was like Bonds. I mean, the opposing manager, whoever's on the mound, knew exactly when Bonds' turn was going to come up. And I think the same thing with Sheffield. I mean, he just made a uh, a big difference. Uh, like I said, I, I still think, you know, even now, uh, I'd put him as the uh, most feared player or most feared hitter I've uh, been around, you know, out, outside of Bonds. It was, you know, their world by himself. Uh, Beltre was an easy choice for you, obviously. Who was your second easiest choice? Uh, yeah, I mean, Sheffield. Sheffield's Sheffield? uh, second uh, yeah. easiest. Yep. And then, uh, and then it was kind of a, you know, I didn't have a, uh, you know, real strong thing. Like I said, you know, Beltron, I, I, being around him, he was unbelievable in the clubhouse too. A great, yes. great leader. Yep. And uh, I think the Houston thing, you know, hey, we forgave the two guys orchestrate. We, you know, we forgave uh, Alex Cora. We forgave AJ Hinch. They're managing. You know, why, why punish him? Uh, like I said, you know. I think Wagner should get him, but you know nobody else. You know, really bothers. The only two guys, Steve, that really bothered me that we didn't vote him in as writers was McGriff, who finally got in, yes. and Jack Morris. I yes. thought the travesty that Jack Morris had to wait to a veterans committee for him to be voted in. Yeah, it, exactly. You know what? Won a lot of games, and in the biggest moments, pitch big. I mean, pitch big. I mean, I don't know how much yeah, more you're I supposed to expect out of a player. 14 years in a row. I mean, that means you're the best yeah. pitch staff for 14 years. Yeah, right. Unbelievable. Uh, the way uh, with that. Uh, so, how many do you think actually will get in? Two, three. I think we'll see three. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we'll see a uh, you know, um, you know, Beltria, of course, Mauer, and Helton. I think Wagner will fall just short. You know, which would be fine because uh, he's, you know, on the cusp anyway. He's got one more year. 
Uh, I think Sheffield will fall short. And this is his 10th year, so we're just going to have to wait for the uh, Contemporary Committee. And uh, you know, we'll see. I think Andrew Jones is making his way there. Uh, I think he gets in before his eligibility runs out. Yeah. Uh, do you like the process the way it is right now? I mean, I know they reduce the number of voters. They do have the, the the next committee after this. Do you like where the process is? The one thing I don't like is that uh, everything's been made public. Uh, you know, like when we vote, I vote every year for the National League MVP. Yeah, they tell you do not make your, you know, don't let me know who yes. you're voting for. So, like right. today, uh, you know, you can, you know, <laughs> you know, pretty sure that it's going to be those three guys in the Hall of Fame. We'll see about Wagner. And, you know, there's no suspense in anybody else. And I think, too, when people are releasing their ballots early and putting them on social media, I think people are voting for way too many people just so uh, their audience, so, you know, the people on uh, Twitter and social media say, oh, great ballot. He voted for all these guys. He ran out at 10. I, I think it's become such a thing now. If there wasn't a limit at 10 people, I think some people would vote for everybody on the ballot. Uh, so I don't think – I don't. I think people are – voting too much worrying about what the readers will think about their ballot rather than what they really believe in their heart yeah because I know uh, I vote all Big Ten football all Big Ten basketball and I vote for the Wooden Award right same thing we're told the same thing you don't release who you voted for and I never talk about it till after the fact of course I'm asking you today before it's released <laughs> uh, but it's you know, but you know it's the yeah, same yeah, it's the yeah, same, it's the same story out there, you know today but yeah I mean I, I wait till the very end and uh but yeah, that's what I love about the uh, you know the contemporary uh, era ballot. And so you know the one that Jim Leland got in in, in uh, December, we have no idea uh, who right. voted for him, who didn't. We still don't. Uh, they've been told like, hey, you don't you don't talk about who you voted for. So you know, going to that night, you had no idea if it was me, Leland, uh, you know, Pinella, you know, both those guys, or or what happened. So I, I like that 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 kind of suspense. Uh, one last question for you, Bob, and that, that's about Carlos Beltram. As a player on an everyday basis, what were the elements that stood out to you that makes him a cut above? Just that he did everything right. I mean, he's a very good defensive center fielder. Uh, you know, he hit you know over four hundred home runs, stole over three hundred bases. Uh, you know, got on base and. Uh, I miss you for it. I mean, he was unbelievable in the clubhouse as far as a leader. I mean, he was, uh, you know, there's maybe less than 10 guys I can say are great clubhouse leaders I've been around. And he's only one of them. So, and I like the fact, too, that, you know, he was, you know, stealing bases, too. Uh, what drives me crazy is people get so caught up in on base percentage when a lot of times all they're doing is clogging the bases. It's like, yeah. you know, you got to drive in runs and score runs. And if you're not, you know, if you're not stealing second and getting on second, what good does it do to be, you know, standing on first? I mean, you know, we, we should put Eddie Goodell in the Hall of Fame. Base <laughs> percentage with his walk. That's right. But it's, but yeah, I mean, some guys I think are way too infatuated, are way too worried about their stats. Uh, I mean, look at remember uh, Tony Gwynn and Rock Crew. I tease Rock Crew all the time. You know, thank God you guys played when you did, or you could be ripped for your exit velocity and the fact that you didn't enough walks. Yeah, exactly. You know what? And I always. I love the guy that has the ability to read a play, can go from first to third. A guy that can read a play and he can get from second to home. Right, that kind of base running. I there's a certain feel for the game that those guys have, and Beltron had it. That feel for the game. 
that separates because they know how to play it. Yeah, yeah. And I remember uh, his last year, he was only with St. Louis for a couple of years. Anyways, uh, last year he was with St. Louis when they made the playoffs with the World Series, when they had their celebration. Uh, before they even started, they, they grabbed Daltron and made sure to salute him just for what he meant to that club. And I'm not sure, I've, uh, uh, I can't remember seeing that before, where a player meant that much to a, to a team. You know, he was an older player, obviously, at the time but just so much for, for his leadership ability. Bob, always a pleasure. Thanks a lot for sharing this with us today. Sure, my pleasure. Take care, Steve. Bob Nightingale, USA Today.